Hello and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HFMA's podcast with its current president, where we discuss what's trending with healthcare finance in the state of Oregon. Today's podcast should be important to any organization dealing with out-of-state healthcare claims. It's not easy managing these types of claims, and today's guest will share with us the magic to make this smooth and easy. As this is the President's Podcast, we're joined by Oregon HFMA's 2020 through 2022 Chapter President, Tammy Kuhn. She'll be providing us with important chapter updates. Tammy, thank you so much for your amazing leadership. We are so happy to have you join us today. Thank you, Kelly. As always, I love joining and being a part of this podcast. And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, pop some popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode and sit back and enjoy. I'm your host today, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by one of Oregon HFMA's diamond sponsors, Centauri Health Solutions. Centauri Health Solutions provides services to payers and providers across all healthcare programs, including Medicare, Medicaid, commercial, and exchange. Their healthcare reimbursement-focused solutions lead to higher and more appropriate payment rates for their clients, a reduction in uncompensated care, and greater well-being for their patients and members. In partnership with their clients, they improve the lives and health outcomes of their members and patients through compassionate outreach, sophisticated analytics, clinical data exchange capabilities, and the data-driven services and solutions. To learn more about Centauri Health Solutions, please visit their website at centaurihs.com. Thank you, Centauri Health Solutions, for your support of the chapter and this podcast. Tammy Kuhn, thank you so much for being with us again in a new episode of Imagine Amazing. Since the COVID pandemic, we keep hearing more and more about increased denials to healthcare claims. I'm so excited that you've invited some guests today to address some of these more challenging claims. I'm from a healthcare provider at OHSU, so of course we do see patients from all over the country and all over the world. So I'm really personally interested in learning more about out-of-state claims and the best practices in handling them. Thanks, Kelly. Um, today's podcast is going to be a great one. So I'm excited to have Centauri Health Solutions join us to discuss the magic in managing out-of-state claims and more. And joining us today from Centauri is Kelly Bauer. Oh, good. Hi. Welcome. Hi, Kelly. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, great. We're so happy to have you. Will you please take a couple minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself, the company you work for, the industry you serve? And we always like to ask our guests for a little fun fact or something interesting about yourself. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my name is Kelly Bauer. As you mentioned, I am with Centauri Health Solutions. I've been with the company about eight and a half years and I reside in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. So just a, a little bit of a climate difference from you guys, but um, really, part of being with Centauri also allows me to um, work very closely with the out-of-state division, so um, relatively small portion of your business from a hospital aspect and all of our business, all of my business on a day-to-day. -day. So um, from a fun fact perspective, um, in addition to working full-time, I'm also in school full-time, so I'm going back for a PhD in psychology. So. Um, most of my day is spent at a computer with lots of coffee in hand. Oh, Kelly, congratulations. That sounds like a lot of work. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so, so much. 
Yeah, of course. And thank you also just for your support of Oregon HFMA and for the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys are a great chapter to partner with. Oh, good. Well, I understand that billing out-of-state claims can be extremely complicated. Each state, of course, has their own rules, each type of claim, standard insurance versus Medicare, Medicaid, all of which are all so unique. So my first question is, what must a hospital or health system do to successfully receive payment from out-of-state claims? Kelly, you, you asked a very simple question. The unfortunate part is that the answer is very complex. So <laughs> Um, I'll really kind of go through that at a high level, but I think one of the the biggest elements is finding a partner in the healthcare space that really can be a true partner for you when it comes to out-of-state Medicaid. So joking aside, you know, it is a small portion of your AR. So finding a partner that is very familiar with out-of-state Medicaid because it is so complex is a tremendous value. Um, You know, when you talk about what does it take to get a claim successfully paid, unfortunately, out-of-state Medicaid is, is not a black and white scenario. There's a lot of gray area in that. And so at a high level, I'd like to kind of just talk about a couple different elements that health hospitals and health systems can really focus on together. Um, and I'm going to kind of do that in the, the life cycle of the claim. So first and foremost, it's really important to be aware and conscientious of the different payer requirements when it comes to authorization at that point of service. Um, Out-of-state Medicaid is very different than the other elements that you're dealing with on a day-to-day. So understanding that you may have 24 or 48 hours is really important because unfortunately, a lot of Medicaid agencies do take the impression that if services are being rendered, they should be rendered in the home state. So being aware of those upfront is really going to be a critical element because if you know that the authorization is required in such a short time frame, you're able to proactively set in those best practices, work with your UR department and make sure that that's actually um, taking place in the timeframe that it needs to occur. I would say, you know, once you get past the authorization, it's making sure that you're also operating within those appropriate timely filing periods. Like authorization, those are gonna vary from fee-for-service to managed care. California is gonna be very different than New York. so. Um, you know, having a partner that can help stay apprised of all of those updates, because what we know today could change tomorrow and could change next week. That's um, one of the creative natures of out-of-state Medicaid. Um, So making sure that you know how often those are changing and whether you have 90 days, um, 45 days is a great example with the state of Illinois. You actually have 45 days to backdate. So if you are looking at enrollment, 45 days goes very, very quickly. Um, So for some of our our clients, especially at Centauri, depending on where they are regionally, that can have a pretty big impact in the overall success of that AR. And then obviously having the expertise to get those claims built out. Um, Again, all of those efforts are very different than what you see in Medicare or commercial lines of business. And it can be challenging to understand, you know, how does Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial differ from out-of-state Medicaid or a a Medicare Advantage plan? So um, I think having a partner that has that expertise, understanding the different complexities, because those are going to hit at different points of a a team. For example, for you, Kelly, you know, your front-end team is going to have to be looking at different things than somebody in the billing and coding or, or somebody in the UR department. So I think that's really important. And then Communication um, is really important, especially when you get to the enrollment. Um, And I I hope we'll have a chance to dive into that a little bit deeper today. But 
the enrollment is is probably the most complicated element. So having an open collaboration and communication, not only with your vendor partner, but truly with your organization to understand, you know, if you're not willing to provide certain pieces of information or if you can't get those best practices in place, what are you ultimately leaving on the table? Mm-hmm. Um, potentially what money are you are you writing off for those accounts? Yeah, that's really good, Kelly. I can tell it's going to be a really valuable discussion today. And I think you already brought up some really important pieces of information because you're right. In general, this is a very small overall piece of your business. And so if you're having to spend a lot of effort on a small volume, it's even harder to keep all those rules and regulations straight and to have an organization really truly be successful. So I agree, trying to find a good partner is really important and and a lot of value add there. So maybe you could tell our listeners how easy or hard is it to start an out-of-state program with a partner like Centauri? Yeah, so it really is going to vary on the partner that you choose. Of course, I can speak to our our standard implementation here and what that practice looks like with Centauri. Um, It really is going to be paced between the Centauri, for example, and the hospital or health system. Are we looking at a single service location implementation? Are we looking at, you know, a, a health system with five or six different hospitals? And what are the complexities there? Um, One of the things that we have always prided ourselves on at Centauri is really being forward thinking and focusing on technology to improve those process efficiencies and um, making sure there's secure connections between both our clients and our organization. So typically it's about a 60 to 90 day implementation, which goes by very quickly. Um, One of the things that we like to do here within our team is have those routine implementation calls. So really setting the expectations of what that looks like. So when it comes to provider enrollment, you know, we need provider numbers. We need to understand potentially, were you doing it in-house? Do you have another vendor um, that's going to be stopping service? What does that look like from a transition period for success? But then also, are there claim limits? Or for example, um, you know, Kentucky Medicaid has some really odd or very strange um, requirements for enrollment. If that's not something that hospital is willing to pursue, we want to know that up front so that we're not asking for information we know you can't provide, but also setting in those best practices and those open communication channels. Um, So the 60 to 90 days, again, is also going to be paced from an IT perspective. Um, At Centauri Health, we actually um, are set up as a clearinghouse for out-of-state Medicaid accounts. So those claims can come to us securely, electronically, in most cases within 24 hours once it's classed appropriately in your system. So having those training elements, making sure that we go through those testing uh, phases between the hospital and Centauri to make sure that once you hit that go-live date, um, our goal personally is to be a vendor partner for you. We want to alleviate the burden that I know is out-of-state Medicaid for you. We love it. Um, So to be able to do that successfully, those routine contact points, those testing um, phases are going to be really critical to doing that transition successfully and quickly. That's great. It's wonderful to have experts in the industry that we can lean on. And I think it's surprising, you know, 60 days, that's not a long time at all to get something up and running for organizations that need help. Absolutely. Yep. And I think that's the beauty of it is, you know, if you have a vendor in place and you know it could take 90 or 120 days, we can pace that according to the needs of the facility um, or potentially for larger health systems. We've had phases if that's more appropriate as well. But 
Um, we want to get the money back in your hands as quickly as possible. Good. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because you heard at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned how uh, COVID has impacted all of healthcare. And I'm just, of course, interested to know a little bit about how COVID has impacted out-of-state reimbursement. Yeah, no, the great question. Um, some good ways, some not so great ways, Kelly, if I can be candid. Um, you know, one of the the biggest complexities right now that I'm sure you're facing and, and Tammy, you might be facing at your organization as well as, of course, staffing. And how do we really adjust to this long-term remote environment? So, you know, the first word of caution I'd give to health systems is also that, you know, be conscientious and kind of read the room a little bit in terms of the timeframes that out-of-state Medicaid is working with, um, at least from what we've seen across all of the nation, you're seeing it about an additional 30 days in processing time. So as, you know, hospitals are looking at vendor expectations and those timeframes, it really is important to understand that out-of-state Medicaid is going to look and feel a little bit different. Um, so one of the things that we're seeing specifically right now is payers are moving to online portals. Um, you know, they're not willing to give the same information over the phone because they have less staff to do that or they're taking longer to go through appeals and admit necessity reviews, et cetera. So, you know, being aware of the additional time that it takes to process, but also understanding that you as a health system may have to pivot and submit things online so that we can work with those mm -hmm. payers. I think it's it's really about aligning our resources. Um, and again, you have hopefully vendor partners to help you do that like Centauri Health, but it's really critical to make sure that, um, you know, you're understanding those complexities. And, you know, from a reimbursement perspective, we haven't seen significant drop in, in reimbursement rates. So that's a good news. It's taking longer, but those claims are paying. Um, I will say, med necessity and, and lack of authorization, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, Kelly, that's really important because if you get the authorization up front, there's a lot less reason for a Medicaid agency to say, we can't pay this claim. Um, if we're working proactively together, you're gonna see a higher success rate on the back end, which again is so important. Those are the avoidable denials that we wanna certainly miss. Yeah, that, that's really, really good information. And, and then, too, as we think about the future of out-of-state Medicaid, my next question is, is there anything that's up and coming, any changes that we should be prepared for? Yeah, On, it's enrollment. Um, I know it's it's the thing we don't want to talk about and we need to talk about. Provider enrollment is, is certainly going to get more complex. So what does that mean? What can hospitals anticipate, especially in the out-of-state space, Right now, 48 out of 55 Medicaid programs do require board of director information in order to enroll your hospital with the Medicaid agency just to get your claim paid. Um, and I know I just thought Tammy's facial expression, it's its kind of a pick your job off the floor moment because it, it years ago we didn't see that. And it, there will come a time that you ultimately have all 55 agencies asking for that information. So Number one, be prepared. Um, that's that's the direction that we are all headed. So having those conversations at the hospital to make sure that there's an awareness of why that information is being asked, how the states are handling that information securely. Um, the other layer of complexity is, is physician. Um, that is certainly becoming another ask of a lot of, of Medicaid agencies, both fee-for-service and at the managed care level, because it's 
complex. If you have a physician group, right, to, first of all, you may have hundreds, if not thousands that you have to communicate with, but how do you also set that expectation with them to say, you physically, Dr. Smith, are not enrolling in Alaska Medicaid, but in order for me to get this million dollar claim paid, we need to be able to provide X, Y, and Z to our partner to help us get enrolled with that agency. Those are tough conversations, but they're conversations that we need to have in order to get you at the mm-hmm. hospital reimbursed appropriately. And, and ultimately that's the goal that reimbursement allows you to provide care to the communities that you serve. So um, really the biggest thing is to be mindful that it is going to get worse. Um, and that's an interpretation, but they are gonna continue to ask for that information. Um, so that's really the biggest change. Again, the timeframes, a lot of payers are moving towards electronic methods and modalities to make sure that they can keep up with the demands and the volume changes and out-of-state Medicaid. So, you know, be prepared to provide information as needed for portal access. Um, you may be asked to get an initial authorization through portals versus a phone call, um, which is what so many people are used to as well. So that last piece really resonated for me. We have a number of providers at OHSU who want to treat patients out of state or who need care Mm -hmm. from OHSU that their states can't provide. And so it's not uncommon for those providers or specialists to reach out and say, hey, please enroll me in this out-of-state Medicaid program and we can do that. And But then what happens is if these providers want to refer patients to other specialties, then those specialists may not be enrolled with the out-of-state Medicaid program, and they're at risk of not getting compensated for the work that they're doing. And so do you have any advice to that scenario or, the, or, or a better way for providers to ensure that the subspecialists who get involved in the care are sure to get enrolled and covered? Yeah, I mean, I would say, again, going back to that open communication, if, if uh, as a hospital, you have a vendor partner um, who is familiar with out-of-state Medicaid, set up a call with your physicians. Maybe it's the top 10 with volume to really mm-hmm. make sure there's a strong understanding of, number one, why that information is being asked, right? If I, if I said, Tammy, hey, I need your, your home address, your date of birth, and your social security number, you're probably not going to give that to me, um, and and reasonably so. So we want to make sure that there's a really strong understanding between both the provider side, why that information is being asked, and the impact of setting up those additional um, care touch points. Because at the end of the day, um, it is a, a very complex area of the overall AR, and so having an in awareness going into that um, of what what that looks like and potentially where the hospital or or the physician is at risk of not being mm-hmm. reimbursed it's really important to make sure that then as an organization you're able to walk through those scenarios and and put in best practices so for us it's really been that communication um, at providing that education to our hospitals and whether we're serving the physicians as well or Um, just helping our hospitals share that information with their physician groups so that they can set up appropriate workflows is really important. Oh, great information. Thank you so much for sharing. So again, maybe my last question for you as you talk about the personal information that's required, how many states require that personal information and, and is there any way around it? No, there is no way around it. So I I wish I had better news on that. Right now, there are 48 out of 55 states that are requiring that. 
Um, and that's just specific to the board of directors or the managing employee. And so when we talk about personal information, what does that really mean? Um, yeah. It is, it's, you know, all joking aside, right? It is your home address. It is your, your social security number. It's your place of birth. Um, you know, to use two examples, Kentucky Medicaid actually asks for a copy of your social security card, not just the nine numbers. They need a copy of that card. Florida Medicaid actually requires board of directors to be fingerprinted. So, um, you know, for, for you, Kelly, for example, right, how easy would that be to go to your mm -hmm. CFO and say, I need you to make an appointment next Tuesday at noon, and I need you to do this, this, and I also need your fingerprints. It's a big ask. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the problem is it is not going away. Um, it is here to stay. That is a requirement and it's something that we have to work together in both the business partner space and the, the health system space to say, how do we tackle that together? If our goal is to support our patients and our communities, what does that look like and how do we navigate that? It's really important to know that it's, there isn't anything we can do to get around that. Um, you know, candidly though, Kelly, there are organizations that we've worked with that have said, that's never going to happen. We're, we're not going to be able to provide that information. So, you know, again, going back to that communication, having a vendor partner who really understands the intricacies, why it's being asked, um, so that potentially if there are conversations that hospitals need to have at the legal team, you know, to make sure that there's some awareness of why that information is being asked for the betterment of that overall organization is really critical. Um, but I, I wish I had better news. It's it's here to stay. Um, it will probably get increasingly complex um, in out-of-state Medicaid. Well, we appreciate your, your honesty. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for being on the podcast today. It's fantastic and excellent information. It's kind of scary as well. Um, but we really appreciate you joining us and your ongoing partnership with the Oregon chapter. So thank you. Absolutely. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. We loved having you. So thank you for joining and we hope to have you again someday. So thanks again. Thank you. Have a great rest of your week. You too. And Tammy Kuhn. So while we have you on the call, do you have any chapter updates that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I do. So next week we have our big annual event at Salishan. Um, so you don't want to miss that. Also in 2022-2023, there is a lot happening for our members. So in July, we have two special events. The first is our summer conference happening July 13th through 15th in beautiful Bend, Oregon. Also on July 30th at 11 to, from 11 to 4 at Mayfield Lake Park in Washington, Oregon HFMA will be taking on Washington, Alaska HFMA for some chapter fun of a game of volleyball. So we need everyone to join us and hopefully you're really skilled at volleyball because we are defending our title against Washington, Alaska. So come enjoy some food, some drinks, bring the family. There's plenty to do at the park. It's going to be a blast. Also, the chapter is participating in a lot of monthly webinars, so you don't want to miss those. And please make sure to follow us on Facebook Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram for updates and important educational events. Oh, thank you, Tammy, so much. I am very excited for the events that we have planned this summer and to hold our volleyball event so that we can retain our, our standing. So really excited <laughs> that we're doing that again. That's awesome. 
we do love to challenge our fellow partners. We do indeed. Yep. Well, as we come to a close today, I hope that everyone will take advantage of the information that was shared. And I hope that you'll join us for the upcoming conferences and events that we have this summer. And meanwhile, we'd like to once again thank everyone for joining us today on this podcast. We extend the warmest wishes to all Oregon HFMA members. And we want to give a shout out to our amazing healthcare heroes who continue to work at making our lives healthier and happier. Thank you. This episode of Imagine Amazing is brought to you today by Centauri Health Solutions. To learn more about them, please visit www.centaurihs.com. Thanks again, Centauri Health Solutions. Thank you. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us, and follow us for exciting content in 2022 through 2023. Also, to learn more about Oregon HFMA, please visit us at www.hfma.org.